Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And in this podcast, we take topics from both health and fitness, as well as the business side of things. We run two businesses, SD Evolution and Fit Coach Pro, and have a pretty unique perspective because we've had a lot of success, but we are not quite at the top of the food chain yet. Our mission is to help break down these topics so you can learn in an easy to digest manner and apply them into your daily life. So let's hop into today's episode. In today's episode, we are going to be building off of last week's episode a bit in a sense that we're going to look at the impact that our medical system has on our society as a whole. And what you can do instead, not instead, but to really just better your... Make up the ground. Yes. (laughs) But first, if you're a new listener... Please leave us a review. Whether you are listening on Spotify, just leave a quick five-star review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can write something or leave a quick five-star review. It really helps us, you know, spread the show to more people and lets us know what you guys like or want to see in future episodes. So feel free to drop suggestions there as well or shoot us a DM on Instagram. But every review counts and we really appreciate it if you have not done so yet. So brief recap, we're not going to dive into this much because you can just click on the last episode, but we talked about this silly drug that people have been jumping to for weight loss and were even more mortified by the fact that doctors were just openly prescribing it for some of these people without even knowing what it was. They weren't requesting this. They were just prescribing it as a a bullshit remedy for a problem that wasn't even what they were asking about. And since our last episode, I actually heard that some doctors are prescribing it to their to teenagers, um, which is just a whole other level of... Stupid. Yeah, but just, you know, what we talked about in the lap- last episode, there are so many things that, you know, you need to make sure you are doing before you even get to that point where you even ask about that. So... That's what we're going to discuss in this episode, as well as what Josh wanted to touch on, too. So another little fill-in, if you guys have been following along on social media, I've been dealing with some stuff for the last couple weeks, working through that. So I did have a follow-up with my primary care, um, just to get, just touch base, see what her thoughts were, and uh, just have some general conversations about my health. And as you can probably imagine, extremely, extremely disappointing. Um, went over symptoms and, you know, not much she could do. The the, uh, the mood in the room was, why are you here? And I had explained, like, I didn't want to go to the ER. Like, I went there because they wouldn't see me in a, in a walk-in because it was related to my chest. Um, just wanted to kind of follow up. But the mindset, even at a primary care physician's office, was, what is wrong? What am I treating? Not... What's the whole situation? Why are things occurring? So this is kind of the theme, and I'm going to dive into this a little further before I kind of backtrack a little bit, but just to kind of give perspective on how close-minded our physicians for the most part are, you know, just going through labs and, you know, she was asking why I was doing certain things and, you know, my, my blood work always comes back fantastic aside from borderline low testosterone for my age. Um, I think that's it. Pretty much just borderline low testosterone, free testosterone, and total testosterone. Um, Everything else, metabolically, everything, you know, no deficiencies, everything looks really, really good based on my lifestyle. So my frustration, which I explained to her, was, you know, I'm doing all of the things. I'm sleeping well. I'm eating well. I'm training. I'm recovering. I'm meditating. Overall stress management. I am doing all the things. My life revolves around health and fitness. 
So this is as good as my reading will ever be. It's not like I had a bad week. It's not like, you know, I've been sick for a little while. My ratings have been consistently um, mid to upper fours to low fives, 500 for total testosterone. And you've tested this multiple times. It's not just one reading. This was four or five rounds, my last one in, I think, October. Um, so she was talking about the need for multiple readings. And I said, this is my fourth or fifth one. And then she brought up a decent point where you should do this, you know, within a couple of weeks and kind of get that hit it back and forth, which is fine. But the whole point is she's saying it wasn't low, which for my age and for the things that I'm doing, it absolutely is. Again, going back to our, uh, our mantra here, normal is not optimal, which I literally said to her. I'm like, based on normal, I'm on the low end of normal, which you know is far from optimal. She disagreed with that. I also said my, my free testosterone is extremely low. So that was like an 11.5 or something. And the scale like of, of quote unquote normal goes up to, I think like almost 23. I think it's like 22 and a half. So we could literally double my free testosterone and still be in the normal range. So her response to that was, we only look at total testosterone. We don't look at free testosterone. So I looked at her and I asked why that was because free testosterone is what is available to your body to use. Total testosterone is a, it's a measurement, but a lot of that can be bound up. So free testosterone is what your body can use. It's readily available for its, its, its function. So just the fact that she, she had no answer for that. She doesn't even look at free testosterone and can't tell you why she doesn't look at free testosterone. The point being, our medical system, the entire system, is not built for proactive healthcare. It is built for reactive healthcare, which means they are being paid to treat a symptom. There is no financial incentive to make you actually heal from the symptom. The whole point is to treat your issues. Some of these treatments are giving you different issues, which they then get to treat again because they see you over and over and over and over. But whether it's your hospitals, whether it's your primary cares, there is no bonus for value-based care. There's no bonus for you not coming back. Um, so I was actually listening to a podcast, I forget which one it was, but a former heart surgeon went to politics. He was a heart surgeon, for, I think for 20 years, went to politics for the last decade. He's trying to make that change and he said they're in the very early phases and there's such a long way to go, but to actually pay these hospitals and these facilities for value-based care. So you get these incentives for actually curing things and actually having you know, people not come back. Whereas right now, every time you come back to the hospital, every time you come back to the ER, every time you come back to your primary care, your, your walk-in centers, they're getting paid to treat. They're not getting paid to fix you, which is a fucked up system. And it actually costs our country more by doing it this way. These individual institutions, which claim to be vastly underfunded, are getting all this inflow because we're all so sick. They want you sick and they want you reliant on the system, but our, our insurance is so high because we're covering all these costs. We're covering healthy people are covering the cost of these very, very sick people who aren't healing. And we're getting more and more sick as a society. How many people are sick with some type of comorbidity? Most of our country, whether it's obesity or the escalation effects from those things and everything else that's happening. If we are all healthy, healthcare costs go down and we can invest those things into other areas. So ask yourself, why there isn't a public campaign to talk about exercising regularly, to talk about meditating and managing stress, to talk about vitamin deficiencies, to teach you about how to eat all the colors of rainbow. And I know you've heard these things and I don't want to hear that these campaigns are running. Just don't fucking bring that because it's, it's not the case. They're, they're so, if they are, they're buried. It's not like this is a national approach 
to the same extent that they push these vaccines. You'll never see it on the You will never see that because you're not making media. money on you doing fucking jumping jacks. And we got the vaccine. We got the first round of vaccine. So and I don't we're not don't, don't we're not anti-vax. <laughs> That's not what I'm coming at here. My point is you made such a strong push over the last few years for this vaccine, which is what it is. You could have been doing and you could be doing the same fucking thing to teach people how to be healthy. We're stubborn. You can't say something one time and expect grandma, grandpa, auntie, and uncle to go change their entire lifestyle. But if you explain to them, hey, you feel like dog shit because of this, this, and this, if you just do these three things every single day, you're going to feel a little bit better. And if you do these things every day for the next year, you're going to feel a lot of bit better. And you're going to stop going to the doctor and you can probably come off some of these medications. But that's not happening. And it's very frustrating. And I think there are some practitioners who are starting to see that. Yeah, and we're not speaking like as a whole. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of good people, good people, good doctors, good practitioners who are, you know, helping their clients focus on these lifestyle changes. Um, and but like even when you think about our fertility journey, when we had our first miscarriage, like how much did I have to push to get any sort of blood work or testing done? Like my doctor simply would not do it. Nope, it's for normal. Nope, it's four normal. months. Nope, it's normal. She finally did Shut it the fuck up, after it's me pushing really hard for it. And it wasn't till a full year after our first miscarriage where we found that, or sorry, it was six months after our first miscarriage where we found my AMH was low initially when I switched doctors. And if we had that knowledge six months sooner, like I could have been doing so many more things, the things that I'm now doing because my naturopath has me doing them, which I think, you know, as much as people hate on naturopath or more holistic routes, I think that, you know, she's been so much more helpful to me than any other doctor that I've been to thus far. She's looked into all the little crevices and every possible thing that she could think of that might help me produce better quality eggs, whereas nobody else gave me any sort of direction as far as that goes. So, I think that, you know, it's important to have these conversations and it's important to not just point blank listen to whatever your doctor is saying and be open to other routes, maybe in conjunction with your doctor, so that you can really get the help you need. Because if you don't advocate for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. And to kind of piggyback on that, for those of you who are hopping on this journey who have kind of just found me through, you know, the Barrett's esophagus posts and videos when I was diagnosed almost a decade ago, the first thing I asked is what can I do to heal? And I was told you're not going to heal. The point is to manage this, make sure it's not going to turn into esophageal cancer. Here's your PPIs. We'll check you in six months. PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, they block your, your stomach from producing acid. I dealt with that shit and I dealt with the symptoms I was having for another three or four years, feeling like I was going to die every single day. Panic attacks, heart pounding, can't breathe, no quality of life. For three or four years, I dealt with that because I was told I can't, there's nothing I can do to change. There's nothing I can do to heal. There's nothing I can do to manage the symptoms. We're just going to make it not get worse. That's, that's the goal here. So I wasted three or four years of my life because someone couldn't have a conversation with me about eating more fiber, about limiting certain foods, about sleeping and actually allowing my body to heal, about certain naturopathic herbs and remedies that could potentially help with whether it's anxiety or uh, dysbiosis in my gut, just balancing the gut bacteria to help relieve some of those symptoms. When I went to my naturopath, the one Alessandra sees now, that was the first person in close to five years who could actually do anything to start helping me feel improved improvements on those symptoms. 
I just dealt with it because I told this is what it is. This is how your life is going to be. And that is so infuriating. And looking back and seeing how things aren't even getting better, that was almost a decade ago. The theme hasn't changed. Doctors are still not doing anything. And I say this generally, if you are one of the very few or you have a doctor who is actually looking into this, they're the vast minority and you're extremely lucky. I'm saying this. To be fair though, I think that that's not what they learn in school. Nobody's I don't give two fucks what they learned in school. Turn on the fucking news, do a little bit of research and you can see some shit coming out. Get your head out of your ass. But I think when you're speaking about the system, I think the system has to change too. But we all know coming out of college, you're going to use about three and a half things for the first year and everything else changed. I graduated with a marketing degree. There's nothing that I'm still using from that. This is is a whole new world. And if you want to help people, you need to adapt to that or get the fuck out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think about it too. Like as personal trainers, we are required to stay up to date on our shit. If we aren't, then we lose our certification. So I'm not sure why that is any different for any other area, especially the medical field. Maybe it's not, I don't know, but it's so important to stay up to date on the current research and better yourself so that you can better everyone else around you. Well, you're not, they're not getting paid to actually make you better. They're and just they probably paid to don't write have you, time. Write your prescription. And they probably don't have time to do it on their own. Like they're massively overworked right now, at least too. So I will throw that caveat in there. Like well, the, they it weren't just this needs, busy. It needs to change. I give, I give no sympathy just for how uh, the standard of care is just continue to slide and slide and slide. So we can, we can give excuses, but. At this point, I'm not saying it's an excuse. excuse. I'm saying that at this point, I give I give no sympathy to that. Do your job or move on. So let's dive into what you can actually do for yourself. So for starters, just because we're not going to dive into this a ton, but we'll go through some methods after this. Try to find that golden goose. Try to find someone who will be more proactive, who is more open minded, whether it's a naturopath or a standard, you know, physician in the, the typical medical field. On our team specifically, we're actually meeting with someone this weekend who will actually be able to run some functional labs for our clients who are feeling certain ways and will be able to integrate lifestyle protocols with diet, with training, and, you know, again, measure progress in regards to biofeedback and symptoms. So I'll do a quick shameless plug on on Fit Coach Pro. How many systems, for any of you who are online health coaches, how many systems have you used that you could actually print out data and give to a client's doctor? have them run blood work and show them an entire timeline of here's their their intake, here's what they've been consistent with, here's what biofeedback has looked like, you know, the whole breakdown. That's what we utilize through Fit Coach Pro. That's what SD Evolution is utilizing for our clients. And we are now actually bringing in someone to be in-house and use as a reference to refer clients to to actually get this blood work done. So, And that's we work blood work on- for like hormone testing, gut health issues, um, if your menstrual cycle is wonky, like anything that our clients would need, we now are able to work with this individual and, you know, put it out there. And I think that that closes the gap as far as us being able to help our clients see progress better too because these things are so important and they're just not, accessible or I think a lot of people just don't even know that you can focus on certain aspects of this stuff to feel better like it's just not a known thing for the general thriving on the inside you're not going to change on the outside so let's just say that so find your golden goose we are actually working hopefully with our with our golden goose um, after this weekend so do your research if whether it comes recommended or look into some naturopathic services 
um, if you find like a wellness clinic that, you know, has someone that can run on as a, as a primary care, um, that's a great place to start. But as far as lifestyle protocols, what are the basics? I just put up, put out a post yesterday with, I think three or four or five of my necessity non-negotiables. What would you throw out? So, I mean, everything we talk about on this podcast, sleep, your daily movement outside of the gym, your digestion, uh, mindfulness throughout your day. Those are my top four probably right now. You said digestion. What are you talking about as far as doing? Improving your gut health and by, by eating enough fiber and also, um, nutrient diversity. So a lot of people still who are following meal plans and things like that are just getting to, you know, habits of eating the same thing every day. I think that when you're first starting to track macros, it can be really common and that can almost be something that is helpful for you to gain that consistency, but you can't be stuck eating the same things every day for weeks and weeks and months and months because then you're you're going to be lacking in various nutrients and it's going to impact your gut health negatively. So, so nutrient deficiencies, first of all, because you're eating the same things, but also in regards to your gut microbiota, there are very, very many different species of microbiota within your gut, that different, different species of bacteria. So what you consume feeds a certain species, a certain genome of microbiota. So if you are not feeding others, you're starving those off. You're not getting the benefits from those. The whole point of nutrient diversity, specifically fiber diversity, is to feed as many different species of, those, um, of that bacteria in your gut as you possibly can because each of those have their own different superpower. So if you're only eating carrots, raspberries, and strawberries every day, Cal. Cal. Those are the only those are the only bacteria that are getting fed and, and giving you some benefits. By switching those things up, by rotating new things in, you know, we preach 30 different plants every single week um, to our clients. You are getting these superpowers of all these different microbiota. So that is kind of the key there. Nutrient deficiencies and fiber diversity for gut health or gut bacteria diversity and honestly sleep is such a big one that so many people are still missing out on i think that it's the biggest one i mean it impacts everything from your appetite to your hunger levels to how motivated you feel the next day to everything every to fat loss thing, to muscle gain everything depression so by honing in on your sleep hygiene i think that's really important and instead of you know watching three hours of Netflix before bed and falling asleep on the couch then making your way to bed. Maybe you swap that out for reading a book or having some specific wind down routine, even if it's You say wind down? Wind. Wind 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 down, down, not wind down. That's going to negatively impact your sleep also. Um, You know, having some sort of, even if it's a short 10-minute routine that sort of just preps your body and your mind for bed, you're going to get that much more quality restful sleep and feel that much better because you know both quality and quantity matter when it comes to your sleep too like a lot of people will say oh i sleep you know six hours seven hours eight hours and i feel fine but what does the quality of that look like and if you're not getting that quality deep restorative rest are you measuring deep in rem yeah and that's something that like we both use the aura ring um there's different watches and i think your apple watch does it right 
I think that was on one of the new updates, but I don't sleep yeah. with that. So there's different things you can use to track that. You obviously don't need to track that if you don't have access to something like that. But, but if you're not waking up feeling refreshed, then you're probably not getting helpful. the restorative sleep. Um, so even if it's, you know, you're not ready to cut out the Netflix, even if it's three hours down to two hours or two hours down to one hour, and then you take that last hour before you go to sleep and you read your book, you drink your tea, you meditate, you stretch, that's going to impact everything. And even during that time you are watching or you're on your phone or you're on your computer, make sure you're, you're wearing those blue light blocking glasses because that will have an impact. Another thing that you don't really think about is getting light, sunlight on you, in your eyes, on your skin earlier in the day. So that helps a lot with your circadian rhythm. If you're locked up all day, you're, you're inside, then you're in your car, then you're running into your office. Try to get a five minute walk, whether it's at lunchtime or first thing in the morning. Um, just kind of dive in at some capacity, even if it's less than 10 minutes, give yourself the ability to get exposed and, and improve your sleep via that route. So some numbers to aim for, seven to nine hours, ideally, um, and having a decent chunk of that being REM sleep or deep sleep um, is, is huge. And then as far as your sleep routine, avoiding screens as long as you can before bed, even if it's just the last 90 minutes to an hour, um, swap that in for a good book, some tea, again, meditation, stretching. That's all going to help you not only fall asleep faster, but reach those more restorative levels of sleep. Um, when we talk about moving often, so whether that's exercise, whether that is walks, whether that's hiking, sports, this is going to be whatever, first of all, you can fit in your schedule, you enjoy doing, and you can see progress with. So it doesn't have to be in the gym. Obviously, we recommend it. There are a ton of benefits obviously to lifting heavy which lifting heavy was one of my non-negotiables it's there's just so much research coming about coming out about you know preserving muscle mass staying stronger avoiding broken bones and all these things through lifting later into life but for the purposes of moving that doesn't have to be in the gym it can literally be a 20 minute walk at lunchtime but the more you're moving the, you know the more results you're going to get as far Honestly, as even better. a five minute walk like have your phone alarm go off at the top of every hour and just stand up and walk take a lap around your office or walk to the opposite end of your house or go get the mail like just a quick little movement break is so much more beneficial than just sitting somewhere for like seven hours straight so you know movement outside of the gym matters movement outside of your one hour or two hour workout matters and you will feel so much better from that it's such a small thing that can make such an impactful difference in your life Another one we've lumped into as stress management, but I'm going to remove the stress management label and specifically call it as it is meditation. This has to be the majority of your stress management routine. Now, obviously, other things are going to go into that, and stress management is a big key here, but there are just too many benefits to meditation itself. And I think it's important to clarify too that meditation can look there are different ways you can meditate. Meditation is not just one way of doing things, correct? Like you don't have to sit in a room and listen to a guided meditation that you can do intentional breath work. You can listen to a guided meditation. You can meditate without something guided, but there are different <clears throat> aspects to it. Yeah, I would say the three that you hit on are pretty much the sum of, of meditation, but that's transitioning more into mindfulness, which is the kind of the purpose of meditation. Um, mindfulness being staying in the present moment, um, not allowing yourself to become super distracted, um, just quieting those external thoughts and whatever you're doing is, is what you're doing and that's what you're thinking about. So that's kind of the direction that the, the meditation takes and that's kind of the benefit of stress reduction. 
because we're not typically worried about what's right in front of us. Sometimes, obviously, we are. But the vast majority of the time, we're worried about the past, we're worried about the future, different circumstances, not literally what's right in front of us. So meditation, said it before, I'll say it again, it'll physically change your brain. It's going to reduce those anxiety centers um, and just help you have a better control on those emotions and become less reactive um, and just get more out of life, appreciate life a whole lot more. Um, whether that's a minute a day as you start out with just some focused breath work or you're working that up to 10 to 20 minutes, one or two sessions. My routine is 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes in the morning, first thing. Um, typically, I'll do a jog. That's what my routine has been the past couple weeks. Do a quick run, come back, meditate, start my day. Um, and then after my lift, so early afternoons, whether you're lifting or you're at work, do it after lunch or during lunch, another session early afternoon. So if you can get those two in, fantastic. If you can aim for a baseline of 10 minutes per day, you're going to have an awesome time. I think a lot of people still view meditation as this like woo-woo spiritual thing and it, it can be spiritual, but there's so much science behind it too. And like Josh briefly mentioned, you know, it alters your brain. So this is not just something to brush off as like us being woo-woo. It is literally science-backed and there's more and more research coming out about how impactful meditation can be. So it's not something that... It is something that we are, you know, really prioritizing more within our own lives and, you know, helping our clients implement too. This is our monthly challenge for December. Every month we have a new focus with our clients and, you know, their focus this month is, is mindfulness, but you know, a lot of them do meditate and it is really cool to see the difference it makes in their lives, especially those who are sort of hesitant to try it out at first. Um, and also understand too, that you're not going to feel like when you start meditating, it's not going to be something where you feel like you can do it perfectly. And I don't think anybody really does it perfectly, quote unquote. It's something that you get better at by doing, but also like our brains are naturally going to just go elsewhere. So just making sure you're coming back to the present moment through your meditation, like that's, that's part of it. Lift, lift heavy was on my list. So I'm going to throw that out here now. If you have access to a gym or some equipment at home, fantastic. Even if it's just body weight stuff, if you have nothing, do it two or three times a week, body weight squats, pushups, pull-ups, anything you can kind of manage. Um, it's going to go a long way as far as body recomp, as far as energy levels, as far as improving overall health, especially as we get into those older years, as much muscle mass as we can preserve is just going to be that much more of a benefit. Your muscle mass naturally declines as you age. So, you know, your 30s is really when you start to see that starting to happen. So the more muscle mass you can preserve, the better you're going to feel as an older adult. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you know, the, the ones who are still very active are ones who are doing some sort of resistance work. And it's it's just mind-blowing how much this does affect you um even if you're somebody who is an endurance athlete you're a runner there's a lot of runners who I've been in contact with um I've reached out to since I've started and they just don't realize how much strength training can really help benefit even their runs because it helps you reduce your injury you're stronger your bones are stronger your joints are stronger your ligaments are stronger so yeah that's my spiel on (laughs) lifting weights it's for everybody that was a spin-off on my post from yesterday and then you know i asked for comments on what people would add and they had some good ones so obviously drinking a lot of water we kind of forget about that one getting outside grounding is huge getting in contact with the earth taking your shoes off and just kind of planting those feet if you can go for a walk or just sit outside with your feet in the grass 
um, exposure to sunlight. A lot of good ones. So what we hit on today is basically the foundations. Those are the things you can start doing tomorrow to start feeling better immediately. Kind of and take your health back into your own hands. And that's what we started working on with the app, with the apocalypse protocol, with the yep. app itself, the SDE method. The point is taking your health back into your own hands so you're not reliant on the system. You're not reliant on anybody else. You're controlling. There's different uh, protocol within pro protocol within the protocol. There's different uh, methods within the apocalypse protocol to help you, you know, focus on stress management, to focus on enjoying life more, as well as some of these other health factors with water and nutrients and movement. So, if if you take anything from this podcast, though, understand that you know improving your health and improving your longevity doesn't have to be this like fancy flashy thing. There's so many gadgets and weird not weird but just like very flashy methods out there right now these are the basics these are what everybody should be focusing on and you know if you can nail these things down we guarantee that you will feel a ton better if not like an immense amount better every single day and that's the point it's improving your lifespan your lifespan and your health span so health span being quality of life years where it's not just you're alive and sitting there you're enjoying life you're feeling really good we got to start focusing on that now. And that's something, you know, in our 20s and into our early 30s, we probably don't think about much if we are feeling good. But the sooner you get a grasp on these methods, the less problems you're going to have down the road, the less reliant you're going to be on the system, and the more fun you're going to have with your great, great, great grandkids. So we're going to wrap it up here. Where can they find you? I'm at Alessandra Skutnik. I'm at Josh Skutnik. Everything else is linked in the show notes.